Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL playoffs are right around the corner. With all these great sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs like the Tennessee Titans, you need to go to betonline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag today and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Today is, uh, this episode is going to be uh, airing on Monday, January 11th, 2021. We have a very special guest with us today, a dear friend and uh, very well-respected sports attorney in the field. His name is Dan Worley. He is the general counsel of the NFL Tennessee Titans, and uh, he's going to give us 30 minutes of his day today. Um Despite the fact that, uh, and thankful that he's doing this uh, during um, playoffs, Titans are playing the Ravens this weekend. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, Dan, welcome to the show, and and uh, and thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. And um, since this is airing on a Monday, we sh- uh, we'll say that we're recording on a Friday, but we'll assume that we're still in the playoffs on Monday. So right, uh, that'll be an accurate read from the start. I like it. Right. I love it. I love it. Yeah. When I was thinking about it, I was like, Hey, I was going to say, Dan, what's your prediction for the game? But I was like, nah, we shouldn't do that. (laughs) Uh, Titans win. That's all I got to say. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I I have a good feeling about the Titans too. You guys got such a great franchise there. So a little background on Dan, we've been friends for, I guess, five or so years now. He's a Georgetown law grad. Uh, As I mentioned, he's a general counsel of the Tennessee Titans um, he's also an adjunct professor at Vanderbilt University, which I think is referred to as the Harvard of the South. So, um, you know, a great, uh, a great school there. He's also a national board member at Play Like a Girl. We'd love to hear about that. He's, uh, he's invo- we're involved together with the Sports Lawyers Association as outreach captains, uh, me in Southern California, and then obviously uh, Dan in uh, Tennessee and um, in other areas uh, of the South, I believe, but we can talk about that. And then prior to, um, uh, we'll sort of talk about this, but prior to sort of coming to the Titans, Dan was also at the Nashville Soccer Club. He had his own firm uh, for a while and uh, he's done some really other cool things. So Dan, do you wanna talk a little bit about sort of, you know, how you got your start into sports and, and how you ended up at the Tennessee Titans? Sure. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm not, not one of the lawyers out there that always wanted to be a lawyer. I, it wasn't really even on my radar for most of my life. Uh, I grew up in a house that had two, both my parents worked in education and in a a middle school and a high school. And my dad, um, in addition to that was, was a high school basketball coach. And so, and, and for a while baseball too, but so I really grew up in that coach's household and, and developed a love for, sports from from a young age and I really I think I really gravitated to not only you know playing sports and, and enjoying watching and being a fan but really the business end of sports is something that I always loved I love 
big fan of the transaction. And so I, it was always kind of a goal of mine to, to have an opportunity to work in sports. Um, and the law thing kind of came later. It was, it was kind of by chance. I, uh, in law school or in, excuse me, in undergrad, I really wanted to study abroad uh, over my junior year summer. And uh, I, I convinced my parents that I should go, but the only program that, that would allow it at my school was a, was a law-based program. So uh, I studied abroad um, ended up taking some of those classes, really just kind of enjoyed the content of the classes and ended up minoring in it, um, in law and, uh, and having the opportunity to start thinking that way. And, and that kind of got the ball rolling on, um, becoming a lawyer. So fast forward through law school, um, ended up working at a couple big law firms, the five or six years directly out of law school, um, always with the goal of, of melding that with sports. The second firm that I was at about three years into my career called Foley and Lardner has a pretty significant national sports practice. And so I was able to, um, as, as part of my time, wasn't fully fully invested in, in their sports team, but um, as part of my time, got to work with um, their sports team as, as a member of that team. And that kind of got the ball rolling. Um, and then, you know, uh, in the mid 2010s ended up leaving where I was at, which was Chicago at the time for, for my wife's job. My wife, my wife is active duty army. Um, and they moved us to uh, Augusta, Georgia, which was a little bit of a culture shock, but uh, it, it was good. It ended up kind of getting the gears rolling on, on launching um, uh, my own firm and in, in, in conjunction with uh, my former partner and good friend, Justin Sievert. Uh, we launched a, a law firm that was dedicated to serving clients in the sports industry and, and grew that out over the next several years. Um, in that time, I moved to Nashville. Um, and then ultimately, uh, it was funny, I, I, my main practice was, was a team side practice. So I was representing a bunch of teams and um, had, had built what I thought was a good business model and seemed to be doing okay. Um, and there was this new new professional team coming to Nashville in MLS called Nashville Soccer Club. And I was like, man, this is like, you know, they're kind of a startup team. Our, our firm was was based on not only giving good service, but also trying to find creative ways for the, for the client to save money and being really efficient. And so I thought, man, this is like the perfect opera. This is like my client, like dream client right up my alley. So I was working on them for uh, you know, as long as I knew they were around and, and trying to meet as many people over there as I could and met their parent company, General Counsel. Of course, they never, never hired me as an outside lawyer, um, which was frustrating at the time, but, but then was really fortunate when, when they were hiring their first General Counsel to um, have someone reach out to me about that role, uh, which I ultimately um, was offered and accepted and, and spent about a year over there uh, Nashville Soccer Club helping launch the the uh, expansion franchise, which was super exciting. I mean, just kind of a once in a lifetime gig. Extraordinarily grateful for that opportunity. Um, and then it just so happened that uh, the Titans, who while I had my law firm, were a former client of mine. Um, the the former CEO, president of the company, retired um, earlier this year. And the now former general counsel was promoted to CEO. So there, there was an opening. Um, I knew them well and, and again, was fortunate to, to have the opportunity to interview for, for my current position, which I obviously took and, and have been 
here with the Titans for um, about seven months. I joined in June. So this is my first season with the team. That's awesome. And Dan, what would you say is like maybe, maybe the differences um, between uh, sort of like, let's say your time with the Nashville soccer club and with the Tennessee Titans, other than, you know, the size of the league and, and the sort of um, the length of how long the teams have been in the league type thing. What's, what would you say would be like the major differences there? Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of similarities, like a lot of the way things are structured and just sort of the job duties are, are fairly similar. You know, one of the big differences now is that um, on the Titan side, we um, we lease but are fully operate our own stadium, Nissan Stadium here in town. And so I'm, I'm general counsel for the stadium too. So I have a lot more responsibilities with that. Whereas um, Nashville Soccer Clubs actually we lease out, they play in Nissan Stadium too for the time being until their stadium is built. So they're our tenant now. Um, and, and so that dynamic is a little bit different. I would say, you know, when I was with National Soccer Club and it's changed a little bit now because they're a little bit more mature of a company, but it did have somewhat of a startup feel where we were doing a lot of hiring, growing the team, building out, people were figuring out new things. Um, so there were certain challenges that were unique to that and in, in trying to um, you know, get familiar with my internal clients and, and get to know them and, and make sure that we're all on the same page from a legal and risk perspective. Um, and then I think there's there's a difference in how the leagues are structured and, and league rules and, <clears throat> and, and, and how certain things with the leagues, um, you know, how the procedure that you have to go through for lack of a better word. So it, it, one's not better than another. It's just a learning curve and, and, and different uh, from a legal perspective. But, um, uh, but again, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of the types of things I do and the responsibilities I have are actually pretty similar. And then sort of talking like, uh, which kind of leads to the next point um, is I think we're reading each other's minds here, <laughs> which is sort of this idea of like, what kind of work are you doing with the Titans? I mean, I think a lot of times people think, um, you know, when they think of general counsel, they might think, well, especially for folks who are not maybe uh, attorneys is they'll go, oh, well, they're trading players or they're, you know, just looking at contracts. But obviously, you know, your role probably expands way beyond that, right? You're probably looking at vendor contracts for, for Nissan Stadium. You're probably um, looking at sponsorship deals. You're uh, dealing probably, you know, referring out any litigation that occurs, right? I mean, you, you definitely, um, so maybe talk a little bit about, about some of the work that you're doing there with the Titans. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you, I think you just nailed a lot of them right there. Um, I, I can't confirm that I do not trade players. <laughs> um, I, you know, the, the vast, vast majority of my work is on the business side of the team. Uh, I, I occasionally have some things that come up uh, with the player side, but, but generally, and particularly this year where our players and, and really our whole, staff that interacts with players are so bubbled off for COVID reasons that we're, we're literally not allowed to even be around them at all. So um, certainly when issues come up, um, they cross my desk and, and that happens. But for, for the vast majority of them, they're handled through our general manager's office. And, and he's certainly the one out there that um, is trading and signing players and coming up with all that strategy. I'm just here to kind of support them when a true legal need comes up. Um, but yeah, as for as for my day-to-day, -day, I like to call it 
um, me trying to become a, a general practice lawyer because it, it really does touch a lot of different areas of law. And so there's a lot of learning that goes on. I think my favorite phrase to tell my colleagues is I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> Because I'm still learning a lot too, and, and trying to, uh, I hope that hope that I'll have the opportunity to work for this organization for a while, and I hope that during that time I'll I'll be able to figure stuff out a little bit more. But for now, I'm just uh, you know kind of figuring it out on the fly, and and a lot of it, to your point, is vendor contracts, sponsorship agreements, dealing with all sorts of IP. Um, you know, to the extent that we have litigation, typically that. Um, we do use outside counsel for that, and and I'm, but I'm there to manage it and, and kind of drive the strategy behind that too, in con consultation with several of my other colleagues here internally. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but a, a decent sized bucket for me is is the stadium piece too. So working with all of our vendors over there, we we host a number of events other than Titans games. Titans games are certainly the minority of the total events that are there. So we have. As I mentioned, we have the whole season of national soccer club games. We have international soccer games. We have a bunch of concerts that roll through. We have a music festival. We have monster truck jam, all sorts of things. So there's there's a decent amount of work to be done on that side too. And then it's just kind of the uh, you know whatever could pop up each day. Uh, it, it never gets dull because there's always something new, which I really like. It's always a new challenge. Definitely is challenging, but. Uh, it's it's not the type of job where you come in and it's repetitive. So I'm, I'm really thankful for that. That's awesome, Dan. And you know, by the way, for the listeners out there, Dan's also married. He's got a child and he's got another one on the way. So uh, I'm sure that uh, he's crazy busy. You know, one of the things that I sort of always tell folks, is, especially if I'm talking to like high school students or college students or even law students or even, you know, graduates or whatever, whatever it might be. Anybody who's in the entertainment sort of sports space is the importance of like geography, branding, and community. And the one thing that I always admired about you, Dan, is that you were literally like, you were, you know, I don't think it's any surprise that, you know, you put the work in, you were there, you know, um, you were sort of at the, you know, you were in the, in the right geography, right? You were in the sort of Nashville area. You were making those contacts and, you know, you've always been great at branding. I mean, that's one of the first things I think I noticed about you is your, um, your presence on Twitter and other places, right? And then of course, community. I mean, you're a leader with the Sports Lawyers Association with the, um, the American Bar Association's forum on um, the entertainment and sports industry. And one of the two, two things, I mean, uh, that I wanted to point out was you had this great, uh, I don't know if it was a blog, but it was, it's called the white Bronco, which I was, I believe is in reference to OJ Simpson. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, play like a girl. Can you tell us a little bit about those experiences? And because the one thing, other thing I wanted to say too, is, is your entrepreneurial spirit. And I'm sure that that bodes really well for the Titans because they are a business. And you mentioned this even in your um, in the opening, when we were talking about, your move from, you know, working for a big, big law firm to, um, you know, starting your own practice and, and, um, and then sort of moving into this general counsel role and that entrepreneurial spirit, I think definitely helps. And it allows you to save money for your clients, but maybe let's talk a little bit about play like a girl and, uh, the white Bronco, if you can. Well, thanks for saying all that, Jeremy. I think you flatter me too much. And, and a lot of what I respect about you as well is that you have done 
a lot of these and more um, as well. And, and as I'm sure you know, and have learned and now are on the other side of, of like all that stuff is hugely important for, <clears throat> for a variety of reasons um, above and beyond just sort of career things. But, but particularly when thinking about your career, like having all of those experiences, I think they all have value. They, they all grow you as a person, as a lawyer, as a writer, as a speaker. Um, and they also grow your network, which is, which is hugely valuable as well. Um, and, and you never know when, um, you know, your participation, you know, I, I never really did any of these things to get clients per se, but a lot of them led to that, right? So led to opening up doors, led to growing connections, um, within the community. So I'll start with the White Bronco. Yeah, that was a super fun project I did for, for a number of years. Um, it kind of, I wanted to, I always, always liked writing. I was just super passionate about sports legal issues and, and wanted it to build a platform that I had some control over. I also don't, I would say I love web design, but I like it enough to like wanted to go on there and kind of manage and do my own thing and not just kind of post other places. Um, so when we were moving from Chicago to Georgia, I was trying to come up with something. I, there's a lot of other great resources out there. So trying to find a little bit of a way to stand out. I think the goal for me was like to make this accessible to everybody um, and not just make it be like, feel like it's a super lawyer resource. And so I picked the name a little bit, obviously tongue in cheek and, and just to kind of lighten the mood of the whole site itself. Um, and yeah, called it the White Bronco and, and really it was an, an homage to sort of the first very public sports related legal case out there. The site really had nothing to do with OJ other than the name itself, but, um, but it was a lot of fun. We, yeah, it was kind of a blog, had um, you know, had a big job board up there, had some ca case trackers, you know, eventually um, did, a, did a podcast called Conduct Detrimental with um, a, another colleague, Dan Wallach, and, and would post those through there too. So um, it was a lot of fun, you know, something that um, I can't do any longer just because uh, for, for business reasons, I had to give it up when I ultimately um, went in-house. But uh, was a really fun project. And, and like I said, like led to so many great friendships and doing that in, uh, in conjunction with being active on things like you mentioned, like Twitter, which I think is hugely important and was hugely helpful for me to, to grow my network year round, especially being in a place like Augusta, Georgia. No offense to Augusta, great place, just small, not a whole lot of sports lawyers located in Augusta, Georgia. I think I actually uh, I think I actually know the only one and he's, he's a lawyer for Augusta national, uh, super good guy, but, uh, not exactly in LA or New York. Right. So you had to kind of find ways to, um, to get to know people, whether that's virtually or, you know, I, I like to go to, I'm a big proponent in, in bar organizations too, and, and going to conferences as well. Um, but, but that was just hugely, I think, helpful, um, to me, my career and, and, more than anything, like I said, building connections. And then Play Like a Girl um, is a not-for-profit based here in Nashville. And I got involved in it when I moved to Nashville. I, I'm just about coming up in my third year being on the board. Um, just a wonderful organization. Um, our our uh, CEO is, is, again, based here in Nashville. She's super passionate. She's been running this for a while. Um, it's an organization um, devoted to promoting 
um, middle school age girls participation in sport and STEM. Um, and it's grown a lot since I've been involved even, and it's been uh, really, really great. I'm sure everyone probably just saw the, the um, Vanderbilt kicker. She wore play like a girl on her helmet, which was hugely helpful to us, really helped with fundraising and growing our brand too. Um, but it's just been a wonderful organization to be involved in. I'm, you know, just a big proponent of youth in general in sports. And, you know, I kind of, um, over the years, partially through that and partially not, have sort of recognized that opportunities in, in sports for, for girls are just not as much there as boys. And it's not, it's been better than it was when, I, like, I've talked to my mom about it in like the, you know, 50s and 60s when she was growing up and there literally weren't opportunities, but we're still not all the way there. And so, to, to have the platform to be able to go in and help provide these opportunities to help um, help set up events to, to grow and introduce them to, to people who have made it in that space. I mean, it's just incredibly impactful um, and it's just really cool to see. I mean, it, it's just like incredible to kind of talk to these girls after and they're just like, oh my gosh, I never even knew that was possible, you know, kind of thing. And it's, um, so it's been a lot of fun. And again, like just, a really good way to, to kind of connect with um, a lot of people in the area too. So yeah, those, those have both been super um, really great experiences for me. Um, still involved with Player Girl. Unfortunately, the, the white Bronco is parked um, and the ignition has been forever <laughs> turned off, but uh, it was a good run while it lasted. I can see you're still, still, still doing some play on words there. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, and then I guess maybe kind of transitioning a little bit, and thanks for that background. What do you sort of see as maybe some um, some trends or maybe the future of sort of entertainment media and sports? Like what are some industry trends that you're gonna that you're currently seeing or that you're you're maybe likely to see going forward? I mean, I think in 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 the event and professional sports, which I consider myself kind of working in those two areas, I think, Without a doubt, the, the biggest thing moving forward is still COVID um, and and the impact on live events, impact on just the sport in general. It's been a wild year um, from where I'm sitting, trying to manage all of that and trying to um, put together a safe environment for our players, staff, and fans. Um, and I think while there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel, I think we still have a lot of challenges ahead of us and, and different challenges too. I think um, hopefully there'll be better challenges. One of my, I was talking to one of my coworkers today and, and her parents just got the vaccine this week, which was just really exciting. It, it, I haven't, it's not widespread enough, at least here that I actually know people that have gotten it. So um, other than the few people I know that work in the healthcare industry. So um, it's cool to start to see that move and I hope it goes quickly and the vaccine works well and it's widely adopted. But even with that, um, there's going to be uh, a period of adjustment this year for, for both events at the stadium and then ultimately the next NFL season. Uh, and so certainly still probably the biggest issue that we'll be dealing with moving forward until it's, until it's not an issue. Um, but you know, there's, there's, uh, other things out there too that are, are really important. Uh, you know, I think the future of, of media, particularly how sports are consumed, I think is really interesting and it's changing rapidly. 
So, um, you know, whether sort of how TV's deals are done over the top deals, um, all of that I think is wildly interesting. A lot of major sports, including the, the two that I've recently worked in, both have their big TV deals up in the next handful of years. And so um, it'll be interesting to see how those shake out and, and kind of how that looks in the future. Um, and then outside of my world, there's there's a couple issues that I think are really important. Name, image, and likeness in, in college sports, of course, um, a huge issue that's been been brewing for a number of years now, but really is, is coming to a head. I think we'll see some major changes this calendar year. Um, and then one that I think is probably past its biggest change, but we're still seeing a lot of action, which is legalized sports gambling. And, and that's another one that, um, you know, it was legalized and the, the button was finally turned on here earlier this football season in Tennessee. So now we have legalized sports betting, but we're still in the minority, I believe at least uh, of states, but I, you know, I foresee that to be um, to spread out more and more. And uh, yeah. And, and I think both of those issues as well as everything else though, like there all is a COVID angle to all of it, which is, which is really interesting. Um, so we'll see kind of what impact all those, all those different issues have on each other. No, that's awesome, Danny. I, um, I couldn't have said it better, you know, in terms of all those, those particular issues and you're right there in the thick of it, you know, uh, representing an, you know, an NFL team, you know, and one of the other things I came across the other day was this idea of the relationship of professional teams to COVID. And I actually, it was actually, a uh, it was a survey I got from Sportico, you know, the, um, the sort of newer sort of sports article writing platform. And it was this idea of one of the questions that kept getting asked in the survey is, you know, what's your, um, what's, what's sort of like the, the main issue you see facing teams and, or, and what do you think one of the main solutions is to that? And the, the sort of one of the answers that kept being given in each of the questions, because there was a sort of multitude of the way these questions were being asked. And it was, uh, that they were going to looking to sort of digitize and, you know, turn away from like ticketing and really get to a point to where things would be sanitized, but also to maybe there wouldn't have to be a need to sort of touch or interact. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out too. Don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, we, um, Titans invested a lot of money in creating as touchless of an environment as possible for the stadium just this year. So that goes from, we have literally have new ticketing booths so you can just have your phone out and touch it so no one has to actually scan your ticket on the entry in um, to completely revamping um, all of our toilets in the facility to have touchless so there's no no touching to flush and no touching to turn on the sink and things like that a lot of facilities already had those we didn't and, and we added them but but certainly I think moving forward um, that's the big issue in COVID. I think people will, are going to appreciate the option to do that post-COVID too, right? Um, so uh, it, it definitely is something that's I think is already happening, but will only get sort of more technologically advanced. Right, and it's more efficient too. I mean, it's like it's health, it's health sort of conscious, and it's safe that way. But it's to me, it just seems more efficient if you can get into the stadium, get out of the stadium easier, you know, all that stuff. Um, you know, Absolutely. use the facilities. Yeah, it's just it makes it easier. And actually, oh, go go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. Going that way already, to be honest. Um, you know, if you look at certain stadiums, have 
the ability to kind of order concessions on your phone and then just go pick it up from the booth, right? Which is more efficient, it's easier for them, there's no lines. Um, and so a lot of stadiums had that technology coming already, but I think COVID kind of hit fast forward on a lot of these things. And, and so I'm sure those companies that create their technology were, were happy with that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think to your point, it, it is certainly more efficient creates a better customer experience in the stadium. And ultimately that's, those are the things that, that we're really concerned about and trying to provide to our customers um, as much as possible. Right. And then, uh, so one last question, but before that one quick comment, or maybe I guess it's kind of a question. I believe it, we were talking about play like a girl, the, um, the uh, nonprofit there in Tennessee, was it Vanderbilt that played the female kicker? Yep. Sarah yep. Fuller is her name. Yes. Right. Right. So I, I knew, I knew there was some, some sort of a connection there to, to Tennessee. So that's, that's awesome. All right. So last question, Dan, again, appreciate you being with us. So maybe some words of wisdom you have for folks trying to break into the sports industry. Yeah, I have, <laughs> um, I, I do talk with quite a few law students just kind of regularly and we'll usually have a 30 to 60 minute conversation about this issue. And I'm, more long-winded than they probably care to hear. Um, so it's hard to boil it down to one thing, but you know, I, I think it's really important to be, you know, do as much research as you can, trust your values, trust what you're doing to move in the right direction, but ultimately it's really valuable to be patient. Um, I, it took me, you know, this kind of role was, was always my dream job and it still is and I feel super lucky, super fortunate to have the opportunity to do it. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I spent 10 years at law firms um, before that, before I had that break. And so I try to tell law students and young lawyers like, hey, if you, if you do the right things, if you create a network, develop the network, if you do everything you can to get as much experience as you can, that those opportunities will present themselves in time. It may not be this year. It may not be next year. You may not get a job right out of law school directly on a sports team. But um, if you do all the right things, um, I guarantee you that those opportunities will present themselves at, at some point in your career. And it's about being ready for that moment when it comes. So um, that's, that's, I think that's my advice. I, I would, you know, I have a lot of sort of how to grow your network and things to get involved in and, and stuff like that. Maybe we can do a part two. Um, if you're not too bored of me by now, Jeremy, it's some, someday. Um, Let's do it. But, <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, to me, I always tell people focus on two things, focus on being an amazing lawyer and getting better every day and, and creating a sterling reputation for yourself as a lawyer. And then the other thing to focus on is developing a network in, in this industry or whatever industry you want to go into. And then to, to my, my one piece of advice about stay patient. If you do those two things, um, like I said, an opportunity, I believe will will uh, be out there for just about everyone who does it right. Um, it just may take some time. I love that. It's like the old saying, um, luck is what happens when preparation meets, or success is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Isn't that what it is or something like that? So oh, exactly. oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, we'll definitely do a part two because I think that that particular content in addition to today's show is, um, is really valuable because I mean, that's always the question and I'm sure you get these calls and emails, you know, um, I get them a few times a week and sure. it's like, Hey, you know, can you have a chat? And I'm always open for it. 
it'd be nice to point to something though. It'd be nice to just point to a link and say, happy to have the conversation, but also here's a link of this great podcast that we did with Dan, you know? Yeah, so. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I, I don't know how helpful I am, but I think you'd be really helpful. So it'd be interesting to hear. We should do it. We'll, we'll plan it. We'll get a, we'll get, uh, we'll get part, part duo on this, dude. <laughs> I like it. So, all right. Well, thanks again, Dan, uh, everybody. This is uh, episode two of season three. Really appreciate you listening in. This was Dan Worley, the general counsel of the Tennessee Titans. I look forward to being back with you um, next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.